Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to dive into verses 1 through 5. Now, as you know, I'm reading from the ESV version. If you are following in the ESV, you see that the paragraphs goes from verse 1 to verse 6, but you use some other modern translations, and you see that the paragraph break is after verse 5, and I think actually the other translations have gotten it right. Now, while you're turning there, let's recap for just a moment, because we are entering a new phase of the book of Galatians. Remember that Jewish believers have crept in after Paul presented the gospel to the Galatians, and they distorted the truth of the gospel, he says. They told the Gentile believers that they had to come in under the Jewish law in order to be saved. And the backdrop to that, or the background, is Acts 15.1 and also Acts 15.5. Let me read 15.1 for you. Uh, and like I said, this is just a recap so we kind of get our bearings before we take another ride on the roller coaster in verses 1 through 5. In Acts 15.1, we read this, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And this is even after uh, Peter's vision of the Gentiles coming into the body of Christ. So Paul has said that they, these uh, Jewish believers, have come in and they've distorted the truth of the gospel. And in fact, let me read Galatians 2.4 to you. If you remember this, he says, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ, so that they might bring us into slavery. And that's a good jumping off point in going to verses 1 through 5. What Paul is saying in uh, 2-4, they're not false brothers in the sense that they're not, they're fake Christians. They're false brothers in the sense that they are distorting the gospel of truth. And this distortion is bringing Christians back into slavery. It's what Paul is saying. He said they came... They, they slipped in to spy out our freedom in Christ. And then we could add here, uh, by paraphrase, um, so that they might bring us into slavery by telling us that we need to come back in under the law. Now, up until now, Paul has been addressing these Jewish believers who have preached the wrong gospel. And he's been pretty hard with them. If you go back to my prior messages, like I said, he, it's like he's speaking to two sides of the room. On the, on the left side are the Jewish believers, and on the right side are the Gentile believers, the Galatians. In verses 1 through 5, or chapter 3, he turns from the Jewish believers... He's already spoken to them, talked to them about the law and Christ and being the goal of the law and how he is now identified in Christ, even he as a Jewish believer. And then he turns over to the Galatians 
And that's where we land in verses 1 through 5. Now, let me give you a little bit of foreshadowing so you understand what Paul's talking about. You know, he, um, he's already preached to these Galatian believers. He's already laid out the gospel to them, and then he left, and then these rivals have come in. So in the Galatian letter, he's not spelling everything out in detail like he might have when he first preached the gospel. He speaks to them in shorthand because what? They should know what he's talking about. And so as 21st century believers, we need to understand context what he's saying and why he's saying what he's saying, and to understand really his shorthand. So let me give you a little bit of foreshadowing where Paul is going to be taking us. If, you, if you've read the book of Romans, you understand that in Romans 9, 10, and 11, Paul lays out the fact that the Gentiles have been graft, engrafted in to Israel. And that's caused all kinds of consternation with all kinds of preachers throughout all history. Mostly because preachers down through history have wanted to look at Israel as separate and apart from the Gentiles. But the thing is, God has one plan of redemption, and that one plan of redemption uses Israel, the nation of Israel, as the instrument of redemption. Israel was supposed to be the light of the world, but it suffered the same sinful condition as everybody else did. And so what? Well, uh, God calls Israel out, and Israel fails in the calling, and so he sends forth Jesus to be the faithful Israelite to accomplish redemption. And when Jesus accomplishes redemption, well, the Gentiles are grafted in. Now, so you could say that Gentiles are part of the restoration of Israel, and we're going to get into that as we go through these verses. Now, one thing I want to remind you of, and this goes back to Galatians 2.4, you know, these false brothers bringing us back into slavery, what Paul is referring to there are the curses set out in the book of Deuteronomy. We don't, uh, you know, modern believers don't have any idea about Deuteronomy, Leviticus, or anything else. But Deuteronomy lays out a narrative. And you can see the narrative in chapters 28, 29, 30, and even 31. What God sets out before the Israelites is, he says, uh, I set out before you blessings and curses. And he says, choose life, choose the blessings. But then Moses, who is announcing all this, who announces the blessings and the curses, basically tells the Israelites, you're going to disobey. You're going to rebel. You're going to start worshiping false gods. And what? The curses are going to come upon you. And he lays out these curses, and they're dramatic for the nation of Israel. The thing about the curses is, there is restoration at the end of it. God restores Israel back, and that's where you read in Deuteronomy 30, and Deuteronomy 30 speaks of circumcised hearts. And that's part of the restoration of Israel. The Gentiles are part of that restoration. 
part of the Spirit going to the ends of the earth. And so that kind of answers the question a little bit. And like I said, we're just, uh, I'm just foreshadowing a little bit um, of the Gentiles' part in the story of Israel. And you're going to understand this a whole lot more as we start going through these verses because you're going to start to understand the context. I know this might be new to a lot of you, but hang with me. You know, the, the next few messages are kind of like going to the gym. You know, uh, you pack your stuff up and you think, oh, yeah, I got to go to the gym and you're all ready to go. You know, and actually you might be hyped up about going to the gym, but once you get there, then begins the hard work. You got to lift the weights, you got to stretch the muscles, there's pain involved, there's exhaustion involved, but you do it why? Because the work begets results, and you want those results. Well, uh, the next few messages are kind of like that. Things that you might not have ever heard before in your Sunday sermons, but you're going to see that it's all scripture, and it's kind of like working out. You get down to the work of tearing through the scriptures so you understand it, so your walk is stronger, your walk is more vibrant. So that's what we're doing beginning today in verses 1 through 5. So let me go ahead and read verses 1 through 5 through the ESV, and I can tell you that verse 1 is going to take some work, some translation work, but you bear with me, you're going to understand it. But I'm going to go ahead and just read the ESV the way it's written, and then we're going to go back and we're going to break it down. Paul writes this, turning to the other side of the room, the Gentile believers, the Galatians, he says, O foolish Galatians, or O stupid Galatians, or O dim-witted Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? And you can, you can hear just by the hearing of those verses that he is painting a pretty bad picture of those Jewish believers who are saying, no, you need to come in under the works of the law in order to be saved. Well, he, he denounces that all through these questions, these rhetorical questions that he poses to the Galatian believers. Okay, now let's, let's start unpacking this. Let's go up to verse 1, O foolish Galatians, and like I said, it could be translated, O you dim-witted Galatians, or even, O you stupid Galatians. I mean, Paul is still hot with this letter. These are new believers, and they have gotten off course. They have been sucked into a perverted gospel, and he is standing them up straight. He is not letting them off the hook. He says, who has bewitched you? Now, 
When you go back to the Greek, the Greek says, really, who's given you the evil eye? Because it's a play on words. Who's given you the evil eye? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ, yada, 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 and we're going to get into that. Now, when you go back to the Old Testament, there's only four places where the evil eye is discussed or used. And the thing about the Apostle Paul is, he is soaked through and through with verses in the Old Testament. He doesn't see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as being separate and apart from what's gone on before. He is the fulfillment of the law. That's the, that's the mystery of Christ that, that Paul got on the road to Damascus. So when he says, who has given you the evil eye, the first place you look is, okay, this evil eye thing, uh, where is that in the Old Testament? Because Paul is just doused in Old Testament Scripture. And you go back to Deuteronomy 28. Now, Deuteronomy 28 speaks about curses, speaks about blessings, but later on in the, ver in the chapter, it talks about curses. Now, let me read uh, verses 53. I've got all the way to 61 marked in my notes. I don't know if we'll go all the way, but listen to this. This is about Israel coming under the curses for disobeying the Lord and being exiled as a nation. There's a, a national siege, and what, what Moses prophesies is this. It's, it's like, well, it's horrible. It's, you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and of your daughters, whom Yahweh your God has given you in the siege and in the distress with which your en enemies shall distress you. He says you're going to eat your own kids. The man who is tender among you and very delicate, his eye shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the remnant of his children, whom he has remaining, so that he will not give to any of them of the flesh of his children, whom he shall eat, because he has nothing left him in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in all your gates. Then you have verse 56, the tender and delicate woman among you who would not adventure to set the sole of her foot on the ground for delicateness and tenderness. Her eye shall be evil toward the husband of her bosom and toward her son and toward her daughter and toward the young one who comes out from between her feet and toward her children whom she shall bear for she shall eat them for want of all things secretly in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in the gates. That is the context that Paul is using the evil eye. He's saying, who's given you the evil eye? These, these believers who have put themselves under a curse want you to come under the curse too. That's all wrapped up in who has bewitched you. And then Paul says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ, and this is what the ESV says, 
was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, publicly portrayed, you go back to the Greek, and there are two, uh, there are two definitions for the Greek word. One is publicly portrayed, and this is what all the modern translations go with. And uh, the context is, in this verse 1, if you read it just like the ESV, what that means is that Paul came to the Galatians and he made this dramatic proposal or portrayal of Jesus being crucified. It's all about, you know, uh, which isn't really consistent with what he says in Corinthians, because in Corinthians, he says, I'm a really bad preacher. I can't preach right. Everybody's better than me. I have trouble getting words out. But then here in Galatians, somehow he becomes a super actor. He becomes a Jim Carrey or something, acting out the crucifixion. Well, that really doesn't fit. But what does fit is the other definition, and that is written beforehand. So what Paul says is, who has given you the evil eye? It was before your own eyes that Jesus Christ was shown to be crucified as written beforehand. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, I came and I preached that Jesus Christ was going to be crucified out of the Old Testament. I prove that to you. Now, you don't need to turn there, but let me read to you 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, because this is consistent. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, what? In accordance with the scriptures. The scriptures that he's talking about is the old covenant. And so you go back to verse 1, and what Paul is doing here, man, it's just so, uh, it's just so genius. Okay, you have these Jewish believers on the left who have distorted the gospel. And he's turned to the Galatians and he says, who in the world has given you the evil eye? You know, actually he's probably pointing to those Jewish believers. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was what? It was shown, written beforehand, as crucified. He's saying that the law itself portrays Jesus as being crucified. And you can even see that some. There's no explicit scripture saying that. And that's part of the revelation of the mystery of Christ. You know, you go back to the, you go back to the Old Testament, there's no one scripture that says Jesus Christ will be crucified. But what you do is you find all these, all these prophetic Verses, I mean everywhere, not just one little verse here, but the whole thing, the whole narrative, it comes together with Jesus being the what? The goal of the law. You see it in things like Jonah. You see it in Hosea. It talks about two days. Uh, after two days, will be revived. You see it uh, with prophecies in Isaiah. I mean, just all over the place. 
And what Paul says here is so fascinating because he basically says, these Jewish believers who are telling you to come under the law, guess what? The law says, the law itself says that Jesus Christ was going to be crucified. And the implication there is that with him being crucified, that means that's the end of the curse. That's the end of all those curses that you read about in Deuteronomy 28, the national curses of Israel. They've been exhausted through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So, he doesn't stop there. He says, okay, let me ask you this, you Galatian believers. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? And I think that should be the hearing of faith. Now, let's break this down because this is crucial too. I mean, there is so much packed here. He said, did you receive the Spirit? Let's stop there a minute. What Spirit is he talking about? You go back up to Galatians 2.20, he has said to the Jewish believers, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the reborn human spirit. Let me read to you Galatians 1.27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, reborn human spirit. Amen. Romans 8.9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The reborn human spirit. So Paul says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit? That's a reborn human spirit. By works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, what's interesting here, and theologians cannot deny this, you go through commentary after commentary, and the Galatians knew they had been born again. They didn't question it. To them, it was an objective spiritual reality. And in fact, you see it from Paul's question here. Did you receive the Spirit? I mean, you don't have any of the Galatian believers looking around and saying, Spirit? What Spirit? I don't know what he's talking about. No, they all knew. They all knew. What what God has effectuated through redemption is a no-so salvation. Spiritually objective fact. On the last day, on the day of judgment, there's not going to be any question of who's saved and who isn't saved because the saved ones are going to be born again. And then the unsaved, that's where Jesus says, well, on the last day, we're going to separate the sheep from the goats. It's not, uh, hmm, you know, it's not a psychological thing. It's not a mental thing. It's not an intellectual thing. It is a spiritual thing. Amen. So, he says, did you receive this spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Of course, by works of the law, 
He's looking back to these Jewish believers who say the only way you can get saved is to come in under the law. And so that's a resounding no, isn't it? Because they've already received it, and they haven't been circumcised yet. They haven't yet come in under the law. And he says, or by the hearing, ESV says, with faith. I think it's the hearing of faith. In fact, I think actually what Paul is talking about here is the hearing of faithfulness. Now, let me sit on this for just a minute because this actually, I think, will really help people, really help you out. Faith is a big word in the New Testament. The thing is, with a big word, um, a lot of times it's misused or Um, You know, its definition, the way it's used, the nuance of the way it's used depends upon the context. And what a lot of people do is they go to the the book of Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 11.1, and they say, here's the definition of faith. And then they use this loose definition out of context all over the New Testament. And what happens really is that the definition of faith becomes separate and apart from the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, the context is, did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith? Let me expound this, expand on this a little bit. Did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of Christ's faithfulness? And His faithfulness is death, burial, and resurrection. Because that's what Paul preached. You go back earlier to the earlier messages. What did he preach over and over again? That Christ, Jesus was the Christ as proved by the Old Testament scriptures. And when you go to 1 Corinthians, Paul says, we preach him, Christ crucified. And then you go on later on in 1 Corinthians, I think that's chapter 1, chapter 15, says if Christ be not resurrected, then you're still dead in your sins and your faith is worthless. So the hearing hearing here refers to the hearing of the death, burial, and resurrection. It's the content of that message. It's the proclamation of that message that they heard. Amen. Now, Let me talk to you for just a minute about the prophetic texts because Paul talks about the receiving of the Spirit. Now, like I said, you go back to Deuteronomy and there is a narrative. Moses sets out before the children of Israel. You got blessings, you got curses, you got exile, you got restoration. I mean, that's basically the narrative, 28, 29, 30, 31. Now, What's interesting is that the prophetic texts, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, they associate the outpouring of the Spirit with the restoration of Israel. Let me read to you Isaiah 32, 15. I'm sorry, I had the wrong reference there. You go back up to verse uh, Isaiah 32, 12. Let's go ahead and start there, and it says, Beat your breast for the pleasant fields. This is Israel being out in exile. 
for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people growing up in thorns and briars, yes, for all the joyous houses in the exultant city. For the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted, the hill and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys and a pasture of flocks. This, the ruins here that Isaiah prophesies are the manifestations of the national curse. And then Isaiah goes on and says, Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever." My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. And it goes on. What I want to point out to you is this. When you go through the prophetic texts in the Old Testament about the outpouring of God's Spirit, it's always on the other side of the national curses. It is an element of Israel's restoration the thing is, when, when Paul here in Galatians 3.2 says, have you received the Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit? That is the outpouring of the Spirit on the other side of the national curses. And that's where Paul is speaking from. And that's why he talks about the hearing of faith or the hearing of the faithfulness of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of like this. Israel is under the national curse because of rebellion. It's been exiled. There are prophetic texts about its restoration. That restoration is all summed up in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The message that the Galatians have heard, and now the Galatians have been grafted in. Why? Because they're Gentiles. Amen. That's the context that Paul is saying here. It's not just some flippant thing. Hey, did you receive a spirit? Do you feel better about yourself? No. He is, everything that he says is grounded in this Old Testament scripture. And then he goes on and he says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Now, ordinary preaching spiritualizes this. You know, it's like, uh, having begun in the Spirit, are you now carnal? Paul's not talking about being carnal in this context. He's talking about the law. He's got the Jewish believers on the one side of the room who are hearing all this. He said, having begun in the Spirit, this is what? what I just said, on the other side of the national curses. Are you now being perfected by going back in under the law where the curses reside? That's what he's asking. When he says, are you now being perfected by in the flesh, he's talking about being perfected by coming in under the law and being Jewish. Now, Colossians 2, 11 and 12 Listen to this because this will help you understand what Paul's talking about, the context. In him also you were circumcised 
This is Paul to actually other um, Gentile believers. In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You see the context there that fits right in here in Galatians 3.3. The outpouring of the Spirit is a circumcision, what? Made without hands. Amen. And so Paul says, uh, you can put it this way, having begun with the circumcision made without hands, are you now being perfected by the circumcision made with hands? meaning in the flesh. And of course, the answer is, are you so foolish in doing this? You know, why are you doing this? And he goes on, he said, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now, what he's saying here is that the Galatian believers have already suffered persecution for their faith. Now, you go back to the context Context is, at that time period, the Jews had a detente with Rome. Jews weren't persecuted by Rome. I mean, you see that all through the Gospels. They got along with Rome. In fact, when, when uh, later on in the Gospels, they said, we have no king but Caesar. These were Jews. So they, they weren't being persecuted. But here, Paul says, Did you suffer so many things in vain? Because you've already suffered for your faith. You've already suffered for the circumcision without hands. In fact, you could almost characterize this distortion of the gospel, these Jewish believers coming in and saying, oh yeah, you're not saved yet. You need to get circumcised and come under the law. That could be a form of persecution. Now, listen to 1 Thessalonians 3, 4. These were brand new believers too. And Paul says that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. Now, if you stand back and you think about it, if they had been circumcised, they wouldn't have had a problem. They wouldn't have been persecuted. But they're being persecuted, what? For the faith of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we get to Galatians 3, 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see that it's the, pro, it's the proclamation that evokes faith, but you see it's all about what? Death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens with the message of faith is that what? We call him Lord. We understand and believe that he has been raised from the dead. But that by itself is not enough, according to Romans. We call him Lord, and by that we identify with him. And by identifying with him, we are translated what? Out of the domain of darkness 
into the kingdom of his dear son. And what these Jewish believers are trying to do is trying to convince the Galatians to come in under the law. They're operating from within the age defined by the covenant curses. And what's worse is they're trying to get the Galatians to come in under the curses with them. And that's where you go back to Galatians 2.4 where Paul says, These false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Let me say this before, uh, before we wrap it up. One thing about the national curses is that God says you're going to be taken away and you're going to be made to worship foreign gods and idols. I mean, read it in Deuteronomy 28-29. I mean, that is, that is the ultimate end of these national curses. God says, I sit before you. I mean, God through Moses says, I sit before you blessing and curses, a life and death, choose life. And then once he says that, Moses says, but you're going to choose death. And you're going to rebel. And then they're going to take you away. And then as we read in Deuteronomy 28, you're going to end up eating your own kids. You're under the national curse. Now, Paul considers these Jewish believers to still be under, to, to be under the curse because they've taken themselves back under the law. And he tells the Galatian believers, do not do that. Do not go there. Do not get circumcised. It is not, uh, hey, you know, if your heart is right, you're okay. No, he says, no, absolutely not. You stay in the freedom in which Jesus has made you free. And it's free from those, what? From those elemental spirits, from the idols, from the spirits controlling all of that. Amen. And we're going to get into it. We'll get into it further on as we go through. This is just uh, verses 1 through 5. We've got the rest of chapter 3, 4, and 5 to go through. And this is going to strengthen your faith because you understand where Paul's coming from and what the nature of the walk of faith is. Now, if, if you hear anything in this message, hear this, that the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ changed everything. He was the end of the law, the goal of the law. Amen. And you know, we're not going to get into it. Well, we might get into it in Galatians, but when you go back to the Gospels, you start to understand why he was crowned King of the Jews when he was crucified. It all makes sense. It's all part of the plan of redemption. Amen. So that's all we've got for today. Let me go ahead and uh, give you the benediction that Paul uh, writes in Galatians 6.18. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and your spirit, brothers. Amen.